Hey everyone, this is our month, We Docked Up. So we're re-releasing a episode that we recorded some time ago for our summer camp month, Jesus Camp. We're gonna have four other episodes this month, but we also wanted to bring this one back up from the archives for your listening pleasure. We're joined by Amanda Lett, so it's a good time. Hope you enjoy it. I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And I'm Amanda Lett. And we love to watch. We love to watch The Religious Hijacking of America by Dorks. I love you, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, I love you. Yes, I do it on the lazy days. The dogs and all the drain away. The world is just and always waits. The day we just taken back to its negative connotation yeah let me have dork yeah dork and geek are positive nerds bad now okay cool got it so yeah we're 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 in a new month peter it's june it was a hundred degree well it's not june for us right now but it will be for the listeners uh it was a hundred degrees yesterday uh in minneapolis uh (laughs) it was 59 here in Boston yesterday. Well, you fucking win then, Amanda, because it was 100 degrees three days in a row. It's not fun. <laughs> uh, it's very much not fun, but it's definitely already somehow the dog days of summer. Uh, so, yeah, this is this is our first week of summer camp where we're doing uh, all summer camp movies, but in four separate genres. And I, th- I think we've decided to start with... I feel it's fair to say our most anticipated episode, which is the exact wrong way to do these things. But if Peter and I were good at, at organizing a podcast, we'd have more listeners. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're comfortable in our doing just fine zone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're starting with uh, with Jesus Camp, which is a 2006 documentary about a fundamentalist Christian uh, overnight camp in Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Ironic. I, yeah, because lakes were in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> and then we were kicked out, but somehow there's still lakes. Explain that one, Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, take that, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, and on top of that, it is Peter and myself's first documentary that we've ever covered on the show, which, uh, considering we're about at 110 episodes, um... That, that actually kind of was surprising to me, especially because Peter and I have thrown around an idea before for a documentary month where I think we called it – we never actually wrote it in our Google Doc, but very early on, I think, Peter, one of our ideas was like something called like stale docs where we, where we covered like timely <laughs> documentaries but did it like now that they are completely a non-issue. So I know and the idea was it was kind of the the uh, the pivot point of that uh, episode of the idea, the grain of an idea from that was wondering if anyone's watched Fahrenheit 9-11 in the last 10 years and what it would oh. be like to cover it. Oh, God. Yeah, I definitely haven't. Yeah, I mean, I saw it a bunch in 2004, but, like, after Bush won again, it's not like anyone was going back and being like, we're gonna do it! Yeah. It was just a, it was just a depressing reminder of what, right. what happened. 
Uh, and so then we were, I remember talking about some other docs that were like that, that were like past their expiration date based on a very specific issue. But then we were also like, look, we just started doing theme months. That might be a little bit too out there. So early on as we're trying to like establish a tone and everything else. And, and then we never came back to it after two years. And now instead we, we decide to kind of try out a documentary and see what it's like uh, in this. So we're going to get more into that in a second. We also have a little segment to talk about because one thing I think I realized watching this movie when it came to kind of covering it for the show, which is when it's a documentary, it's very hard to talk about just the film itself. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very hard to go, yeah. well, they, they constructed this well, and here's here's how this part let me feel without getting overwhelmed with talking about the subject matter depicted because, you know, this isn't like a, a Herzog documentary or it's not like uh, Errol Morris where he's kind of inserting himself and some stylistic choices. This is kind of, of a more standard documentary format where they're just – There's no narrator. Right. very yeah. little um, – there's very few uh, written cards in terms of, you know, catching you up in the, the setting, time, and place. Um, yeah, and, and, it, and it does it does show you that though these – the reason that people construct docs these way, this way. Yeah. And that's that it is often a very, like, safe way to maintain your integrity as a journalist and have people focusing on the issue and not how you present the issue. But the whole other side of that is, like, the more, like, the yeah, the Werner Herzog, Errol Morris kind of, like, let's grab this by the throat and, like, I'm going to I'm going to use real life to tell this story. Yes. I'm observing this, is much this phenomenon. Of like a- of, yeah. 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 And, oh, this and also, I'm observing this, like, and yeah. It, it's, it, these people, you don't know who these, these two women are that made the film. They don't insert themselves at all. Um, I didn't even know it was directed by women until we we were talking about it months ago, and I started looking it up. Yeah, I feel like it's very much in keeping uh, with sort of an A&E documentary production, which yeah. A&E uh, was one of the producers or or distributors, or I can't remember exactly what. But, you know, it feels of a piece with sort of their kind of production. And for a documentary, this was kind of a big theatrical phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Like, people were talking about it. People knew about it. It made, like you know, 10, 20 million in that range for documentary, which was a lot right. for something that wasn't a Michael Moore documentary. And now I think this movie would end up uh, on Netflix or something like that. Like this, the chances of this being a theatrical release seems uh, very unlikely, but it was kind of considered uh, the golden age of documentaries uh, in like the mid 2000s, where it was after Bowling mm-hmm. for Columbine and Super Size Me and Winged Migration and March of the Penguins. Like they, it started to be a big thing to be like, what was going to be the new documentary that people were seeing in theaters and talking about? And this was very much released at that time. And as such, it was like at the perfect moment to get a lot of play. And I, I think it also introduced people to something that they – we'll get into this more that I think are still in denial about how rare what we saw depicted is. Oh, absolutely. So it kind of became like this weird curioso of like these extremists as opposed to essentially what the modern day Christian movement is. And I feel like it's less surprising now in the age of Trump and kind of how that sect of the public was um, was mobilized for some pretty – duplicitous and um, you would think antithetical to their Christianity beliefs. So I think now, and I, I can't wait to talk about that because Amanda saw it for the first time. So I imagine now it's a little less 
what a bunch of weirdos and oh shit it, they've been there a long time oh Where yeah for Amanda I wonder uh, but for, for a lot of people that I saw it when I saw it when they first came out it was a lot more of a holy cow what a bunch of weirdos glad most Christians aren't like that but anyways we're gonna get and, into and, all and that. that's part of the reason we I, I titled the episode religious hijacking of America because this does feel like It'd be like if at the end of a horror movie, the guy that warned them not to go to that cabin just like shows back up and he's like, I told you, damn kids. Like, (laughs) it'd be like the same thing where you're like, I watched this 10 years ago thinking like, man, evangelicals have to sort their house out. And then now you're like, oh, they handed an election to a... uh, an adulterer rapist who is fine separating children from their their parents who seems to Absolutely. hate hate anybody who's not a white rich person like everything antithetical to christianity uh they just jumped on board for and this documentary kind of helps you see like how they were politicized and how the leaders of the church passed that politicization down onto the youngest members who are now the eight-year-olds in this movie. Yes, the eight-year-olds in this movie could have voted in 2016 or I guess like seven-year-olds could have voted um, in the 2016 election. Absolutely. So this is going to be a fun one. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, um, this is going to be light. Yeah, but... uh, (laughs) Before we get into that and our kind of opening segment, which is a little bit of table setting before we talk about the movie proper, uh, Amanda, you haven't been on in a little bit. Why don't you reintroduce yourself to our audience? Um, hi, audience. Um, I'm Amanda Lett. You might see me around uh, the Dissolve Facebook group. I'm one of your friendly neighborhood moderators. Um, and uh, lately I've been taking a bunch of crap for my preferences and actors. Um, but I am <laughs> also working on my PhD in art history. And How much uh, crap are you getting for that? <laughs> surprisingly not as much. Okay. You made that sound like you were getting crap for, like, particular types of, like, adult actors that you were into. Like, you're like, yeah, oh. I guess, I guess, uh, liking um, mohawked uh, amputees is just, like, you know, a thing you can make fun of people for on the internet <laughs> now. You would be surprised. Just, why don't you just tell everyone, is it just Benedict? Th- that people it, make fun of me for? Yes. Yeah. It's just Benedict. Sure, yeah. yeah. You, have to say, you have to say a group of actors when... One of two things occurring. Either the people <laughs> listening are like, I don't know who this person is. Maybe he they like <laughs> maybe they only like like weird rat packy like actors before people figured <laughs> out like how naturalism worked. I don't know. Or How FYI dare they hate on Fatty Arbuckle? And then the people that know you are like, just say, just say Benedict Cumberbatch. Like, I'm not gonna know. say it because that's just Gives fuel to Jose and Robert. Yes, I'm calling you out in the podcast. <laughs> Who knows if they listen? I'll say, look, Benedict Cumberbatch. That I don't know. Great dude. Hopefully, he's in a good movie someday. Really? Uh, no, he's, he's, he's in some good movies. I like Doctor Strange. I have not seen the new Avengers, and I'm trying. It's to actually really movie. good. Is there another good movie he's in that I'm blanking on? I'm sure there is. Uh, Atonement. Uh, a what? Atonement. I have not seen it. Is that the one? Are we out? <laughs> no, <laughs> we out of you're example? so mean. Well, I was I'm gonna pull up IMDb, but you're like a a BCMDB. 
Benedict Cumberbatch movie database. So uh, like, why I, would I look at the general version when I have the specific one right here? I will yeah. say the new Patrick Melrose series is supposed to be fantastic, but I don't have Showtime, so I have to wait for a little bit before I can watch it. Oh man, I you know yeah. what? I have Showtime, and I'm not going to watch it. Um, Just please be nice to Dominic Bumper Cars, please. Oh my God, I hate you both. You're banned. <laughs> You're both banned. <laughs> So, any, anything else you'd like to share about your PhD? Uh, it's, <laughs> I don't know, your life? It's writing. I don't know. Um, I've, I've, I'm halfway done, which is good. That is yeah. good. That's awesome. Is your final is your final work that you're going to submit for this going to be something that uh, people people would like to read, or is it so in the is it so in the, in the niche of your particular uh, field of study that like it would go over my dumb head? How deep in the Cumberbatch is it? Yeah, how, yeah, yeah. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, how um, many leagues? How many leagues deep in the Cumberbatch? <laughs> is this is this something that I can understand as an outsider, or is this yeah. the sort of field of study that um, would conf- completely beguile me? No, absolutely not. I, uh, I, I'm a clear direct writer i don't go off on theoretical tangents so it's definitely something that someone can understand and that i hope to be able to do an exhibition on once i'm awesome i'd love to read it i do think you are a very good writer yeah i think peter asked about subject matter and amanda was like just to let you know i am a good writer (laughs) yeah i I, I was not trying to i was not trying to throw shade that's gonna be uh, one of those uh one of those shitty writings that i can't (laughs) i apologize it came out that way i I apologize it came out the way i was asking what field of study you were working on and if it was anything that was just like oh no it's art it's art and about how normal people before the civil war in the united states accessed art so oh Oh, that's really uh, yeah that sounds really interesting (laughs) <laughs> now I want to read it. So for our opening segment, we meant we alluded to this earlier. So we're going to be talking about the movie and the people in the movie, but it also feels like it's important to maybe set a little do a little table setting on kind of our reaction to this world that's depicted or our history or this, fa- um, this far flung fantastic yeah. world depicted in the film. <laughs> Jesus Camp. Yeah, and because and we're not going to get into it to the like our religion in the same way that we did. With some of our uh, Pods Not Dead episodes, but it is important, I think, because – and one thing I think this movie does really well is by having, like, that bookends with the Christian radio DJ who kind of sets up, like, look, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. This is, like, not Christian. This is, like, a cult uh, and I've said before, it's almost like a cult of like that type of like strain of evangelical Christendom is like not focused on the Bible. Instead, they've like morphed Jesus into someone who is focused on like four issues, yes. like anti-gay, yeah. anti-abortion, uh, anti-global warming and anti-evolution, which and like that's they, they're like – if you were writing like a dystopian sci-fi novel, you would find these people that claim to be Christian and then you'd get into what their beliefs are and you'd go, oh, they don't talk about that. Any of this stuff Jesus right. didn't talk about. But why is this their like four core pillars of like what it means to be Christian? So he's kind of setting up that framework where um, – which I think does the movie well so that it can really focus on like there are – 
good Christians and there are people who like try – like whether you believe in um, Christianity or not, there's a lot of good stuff that Jesus taught, all that kind of stuff. This is different. This is not what we think of as typical Christians. They call themselves Christians. They like lump themselves in with like Protestantism and all that kind of stuff. But they have some pretty nefarious goals, some pretty damaging teachings, and they are extremely politically active and are trying to kind of shape the world to their kind of like very hostile cultish beliefs, uh, which, again, seems less far-fetched now probably. But um, obviously that that kind of sect of Christianity, we may, we may have had some exposure to. Um, and it felt like that was a good table-setting moment for us to go. So before – I saw this movie. Here was my history with like, if I've met people like this. So, uh, Peter, do you want to start? Um, sure, because I probably have the least interesting background of either of you. I uh, don't have a lot of direct association with evangelical Christianity. Uh, the suburb that I grew up in of Chicago was pretty pretty Catholic. Um, and where it wasn't Catholic, it was more sort of mainstream Protestant. But... Um, yeah, so I had very little interaction with evangelical Christianity except for through newspa- newspapers. And all I could see in my community and in my news was a negative effect. And I and I know there are good evangelical Christians out there because the movement is – Liz will talk about it on Pod's Not Dead also. The movement is, is very varied. <laughs> um, but – this is sort of the a mainline approach to uh, uh, Jesus Camp is a mainline approach to evangelical Christianity and what you'll see in the day to day face of the movement, which is highly politicized and very ugly, um, very full of hate for a group that was um, created by a little guy named Jesus. So I have very little interaction with the group, um, but I have hard opinions on them. Because everything that I know about them has largely been, it's largely been negative. Yeah. I just want to make sure that I don't want to, uh, even as somebody who has been a firm atheist since like, I don't know, fourth grade, I don't think, um, I don't think of this movie anymore as being a, a, uh, a nail in the coffin for all religious people. I think it speaks specifically oh, to how, how religion can be used as a tool of oppression and how specifically this movement in America is ruining America and has spent a decade <laughs> getting stronger and stronger and stronger until they, they were able to tip a very important election that they should not have been – even involved in well they should have been again or or sat out or something yeah uh amanda yes now you just saw this today i think i I did i saw it uh i i ate lunch and watched it so uh (laughs) did you keep your lunch down (laughs) what what, did you have for lunch uh well see we grilled burgers last night so i had a leftover burger and potato salad nice but grilled on both sides and had the cross it did yeah, what kind of monster does it grill a burger on both sides? But like you did it perpendicular, so it made a cross. So it wasn't like oh, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> I get it. It's okay, good. Amanda. I don't get you it. Not, either. Yeah, ninety degree angle burger I, marks. I get it. <laughs> I get it. So there's four. Did you there's, use a there's, iron? there's an X axis and a Y. <laughs> 
Wait, you know are we about, talking? You know about, you know about uh, signs and cosines? <laughs> are we talking a gas grill? Are we talking a charcoal grill? Um, but yeah, did, were you able to keep your lunch down? I was, um, mostly because, I, and Sounds we'll get like to- a good burger. It was a good burger, actually. Burger. Uh, that was primarily the reason. Also because I, I really found this movie quite sad. Yes. I expected to be angry, and I was actually quite sad. So, unlike Peter, I grew up in the heart of ORU and Assembly of God Country. Um, so, the they even- They sang a uh, crazy game of poker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, most card games are of the devil. You like those uh, jam bands. You like those jam bands. Was that, was that, the, was that, the, uh, was that not the most recognizable OAR song to make that joke with? <laughs> I know. Do you guys know what OAR is? Never. I, I do know what OAR is. <laughs> Believe me. I know. Um, yeah, we went to college about the same time. We did go to college about the same time. Yeah, so Oral Roberts University, uh, his headquarters, his televangelical quarters, uh, headquarters was all in Tulsa. His Tower of Prayer was in Tulsa. His gigantic praying hands were in Tulsa. Um, I do know people who went to ORU with mixed feelings about that um my husband was rage raised in a pentecostal home uh with rage rage. (laughs) that's sort of how he left it uh he was raised still a rat in a cage he is still a rat in a cage um you know the church he went to believed in speaking in tongues they believed that rock music was evil uh they believed you know that pretty much everything was sinful except for going to church and paying your tithes and so that was sort of the home he grew up in a lot of the charismatic you know my god is an awesome god kind of stuff um i i went to school with kids who brought their bibles and highlighters to class every day at at a public school so i am really really familiar with this world uh which i think is again why it kind of makes me sad because i know those kids yeah no that makes a lot of sense i didn't realize you had that background so uh, when you met your husband was he kind of already out of it was he one of those people that kind of very early on was like no thank you yeah like a process yeah i mean i think it i definitely think uh, there was a lot of 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 sort of distancing that happened to him as a high schooler. Um, and, you know, a certain amount of weed helped with that. <laughs> Not for me. Um, but, you know, I, I, you know, his, his parents had destroyed like his Guns N' Roses CDs and Metallica CDs. And, uh, but his brother was like a big like Rush fan. So it's like, how do you get into these things? So, you know, he's, he got really into the prog rock. <laughs> For a long time. It's really the kind of person who wants to make friends with a lot of different kinds of people. And I think that's yeah. really, really what kind of pulled him out of that. And then I um, was very much a, a sort of agnostic atheist, uh, which his parents did not enjoy. Um, yeah. Or they were like, oh, we're going to save one. These are the weak minded. <laughs> no, no, it was. Sin? You want to go to hell? Yeah, no, it was it was pretty much just like, say what? Huh? You're who? You're what? Uh, so yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I grew up, 
personally and sort of an old school kind of Baptist family, like, you know, nobody's supposed to drink. Nobody's really supposed to dance. Um, we sit in the church and we just sing like hymns from the 1920s. I like the idea that in Oklahoma City, the anti-dancing crowd are the liberals. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're special. We just don't allow dancing, but you can still have fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, but, they're um, still having eye contact. Heathens. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, it was very much a church on Sunday, and then that's yeah. it until the next Sunday. Which is how my upbringing was as well. Um, my parents rarely talked to me about any sort of faith and I didn't have any events during the week uh, that I had to attend <laughs> for my church really. So um, so I kind of I have a really weird relationship to this movie. Um, I'm not gonna get too far into my background, but so I was raised Catholic. My parents kind of started out as um, very liberal, lackadaisical Catholics, uh, you know, go to church every one, once every couple weeks, teach your children Bible stories. they were mm-hmm. like, you know they met in the Peace Corps, they were pretty liberal. Right. Uh, And then, like, progressively, like, to give you, like, a fast forward, 35 years is, like, my mom is now, like, an ardent, like, Fox News viewer who, like, vaccines (laughs) are real or, like, you can't use them because they have aborted – they use aborted fetuses for vaccines. So, like – so, I mean, it's better – Frankly, that's – and frankly, even if that is true, you're making lemons out of lemonade. That's true. Yeah, oh, you, they don't get the measles, and and also this person who didn't want a child didn't have to have their forced on them. Like it's all this is all great. Uh, so, sounds like a win-win to me. So it's a win-win. Um, it's, so it sounds anyways, like you're throwing the baby been, out with the bathwater, a little bit, literally, and not doing anything good. <laughs> I mean with that bathwater. Yeah, <laughs> if you're gonna throw the baby out with the bathwater, make a vaccine out of it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, so I had. Um, so I had a very – like, that transition obviously occurred, like, I was the oldest out of eventually 10. So I kind of saw this change happen. So they, so they their initial thing, like, when they were really getting into Catholicism and, like, a very conservative – eventually a very conservative um, strain of Catholicism mm-hmm. uh, that kind of, funnily enough, matched a lot of, like, the evangelical, like, anti-abortion. They were a little more progressive on gay people – when I was, like, younger, they were like, yeah, they're just people. And then, like, they progressively got, yeah, they're people and it's not their choice, but it's still a sin, so they can't do it. And, like, now they're like, you know, they're like, we they are lesser citizens. or oh. so they, they, it's, not, it's not great. Very disheartening in general to my life. Yeah. But, so, I mean, so a lot of this happened, like, throughout end of the year. So, anyways. So the reason I say this, so, but like when they first, uh, my mom's an author, and one of her first books she wrote was like about how Catholicism was like the true version of Christianity, and like how um, like Protestantism was like a lesser version, and that while it's still good, you should have like the full sacraments and everything else that comes along with Catholicism. Oh. And that was like her big battle at the time, which seems so like funny now that she's like writing anti-Muslim stuff, but. <laughs> So she like that was like her thing. Like these people are still good, but get the good stuff. And here's why: I'll teach you biblically. Because that, but like her version of Protestantism, even when I was like in the late '90s, was like a really like. It feels like evangelicals weren't even like spoken about. They were like, right? She she thought like Christians in general believed that abortion was should be legal. That like women could be pastors. Like all this. Like she really had this like. 70s Lutheran idea of Protestantism, realizing what had started to kind of take hold starting in the 80s. So, like, her fight against 
Protestantism was against like these kind of like essentially like lukewarm Catholics version of Protestantism as opposed to like people that you probably would have found more to align on as the years went on. So kind of long story short why this especially has some weird meaning for me. So we were kind of raised – so that was where we were at when – and this is something I don't share that often because it is one of the weird things about me that's kind of embarrassing. So um, – so We're here I, for you. Yeah. So I, I mean it's not like I, I hide it but it's it, it just – it begs so many follow-up questions that it's good that I have this platform to get some of the follow-up questions out of the way. So uh, so when I was uh, in sixth grade, I went to a public school and I was a very shy kid. This may be shocking for anyone who knows me <laughs> to believe, but I was very shy and like just like even was the guy who like was awkward around my friends. I never knew what to say. I All that kind of stuff. And we bought a new house and we're going to move. Uh, so we lived in Bismarck, North Dakota, and we were going to move 10 miles out of town, which for Bismarck, North Dakota basically means like we called it in the country. Right. And I, I wasn't I was going to have to switch school. So all of my elementary school friends, I would not go to a junior high with them. And I didn't want to do that. And I was trying to figure out ways to go to the junior high where my friends were going, uh, everyone I knew through elementary school. And my parents were like, well, you can't do that. You you have to go to this junior high. That's where the bus goes. We're not going to take you every day. But if you don't want to do that for junior high, we've been reading about this thing called homeschooling. Oh, God. And we can homeschool you for seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. And then when you – uh, when you're ready to go to high school, because the buses at that time went to the same, all went to the same uh, high school. Right. You can go there. So I said yes. <gasps> so I was homeschooled for seventh, eighth, and ninth. Which is and, not really a choice you should ever give to a child. No. <laughs> um, no. And uh, and I did go back to public high school. And uh, as they planned, we actually moved back into town. And obviously, those all those like elementary school, I I, be, I started doing uh, summer theater stuff that they were doing. So I was exposed to a lot of very liberal stuff in general. <laughs> and uh, and and kind of got out of my shell a little bit and stopped being shy. So like for me, very personally, um, even though there was could be a potentially a lot of bad things for it, it was kind of a mm-hmm. good thing for me personally. Uh, for but. Also, like, we were getting taught at that time, like, normal history. Like, we were taught evolution and taught yeah. how ridiculous it was that, like, these fundamentalist Christians didn't believe in evolution. Because at the time, Pope John Paul had said, like, yeah, if as long as God started, evolution's fine. Right. Like, that could be how he did it all. So, my parents weren't down enough down the well for that point for me to, like, getting, like, brainwashed. Yeah. And it was, and it was for such a small part. But, but what ended up happening was that... Because, like, you, you you still want your kids in, like, these homeschool situations to, like, interact with other kids, like, in school hours. Like, obviously, I saw friends and stuff like that. They would do these – they had these, like, literally these org- – there was, like, a homeschool association of the town. Yes. And they would have, like, yeah. these organized uh, things. So, like, gym class once a week or twice a week. And there was, like, an art class. And, like, I think there was a couple other things. So, you had all these things where all these homeschool kids were – getting like the equivalent of extracurricular activities all together. And there was like homeschool like basketball teams and speech teams and and all these other things that like you could do and they would compete against the regular schools in town. So as a result, I was exposed to all of these other homeschool kids quite a bit who were the exact type of homeschool kids that you would see uh, in this movie. Yeah. And maybe literally some of the same families because, again, the the woman who is the preacher in this movie lives in Bismarck, North Dakota. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Is in North Dakota. 
at the end when she's driving through the town and talking to the camera about how the camp went, I can tell you every street she's on. Oh, like, wow. That's Bismarck. That's yeah. where my family still lives to this day. So what was so funny, though, is that I didn't realize – so I – I was really kind of bamboozled by these other homeschool kids, right? Sure. Because A, I didn't really – I just thought they were like this Protestant version of Christianity. I didn't kind of realize what they were kind of like. But I, I remember thinking they were very weird to be friends with. Like you'd be friends with them and like you'd hang out and you'd do something and all of a sudden like their parents would say something weird and they'd look at you funny. And I remember kind of feeling like – while they accepted me to some level, I was always eyed with, like, a specific suspicion. And then, like, sometimes we didn't get invited to certain things. I didn't quite understand why. Mm-hmm. And and as I got older, and especially seeing this movie, it kind of codified some of that. That, like, we I was a member of what they refer to in this movie as a dead church. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, Catholicism is an evil to a lot of people evangelicals and it's like a fake version of christianity where we worship uh mary and the saints and we do all these other weird things and our churches are like these like they view catholics as like these cultists who like repeat things in unison without like really praising god so oh absolutely i had um i knew people who would swear up and down that catholics weren't christian yeah so seeing this movie in some ways kind of like actually was like oh that my junior high like friendships or attempts to be have friendships it's that is why like because i we were the only catholic everyone else was like these evangelicals Mm -hmm. and everyone else was doing it for like because they didn't want the public school teaching us which my parents at the time were not right and eventually weren't like a lot of a lot of my brothers sisters went they end up going to catholic school because they liked that school better but like they allowed me to go to like high school when I planned on it and it was kind of still a choice. It's just a choice that a lot of kids are like, fuck that. Yeah, I don't have to go to school. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's not a a great foresight choice. So I really have like from the location to like having a lot of interactions with like kids that were literally taught this and homeschooled like this and were kind of taught all these like uh, weird things to the point that again, this uh, this will be the last thing I say. But so my parents actually, I remember at, uh, my seventh grade year, they had me read a two science books that we did for that. Mm-hmm. One was the fundamentalist Christian version that these other homeschool kids were reading. And then the other one was like a normal science book. And they use that to contrast like how false a lot of these arguments, because I think they were worried. This is what's so funny in retrospect, if you know my parents, I think they were worried that my exposure to this many like Christian homeschool kids would make me want to leave Catholicism for, like, evangelical Christianism. So they they bought two books to show me how ridiculous, like, the science thinking, like, they didn't believe in evolution and they yeah. didn't believe in this stuff and how broken their scientific method was. Like, they they had me – they and I, which is actually really good teaching. Like, here, I'm going to teach you two books and see if you can see the logical fallacies in one book compared to the other. Yeah. Um, that So, I had just a very weird strain of it because they were trying to keep me away from that. <laughs> but, like, now they would be thrilled if I told them I was an evangelical. <laughs> oh. But 
So I so sorry if that was a little long winded, but I do have a very weird history with the people, the type of people in this movie and this movie in general, because this wasn't just like an angry movie for me. It was like, you know, again, post Bush getting reelected and right. I, I didn't believe in God at this. You know, I kind of gone through my long conversion from Catholic to uh, to atheist over like a multi-year period. But it, so there was that. It was also sad because like I recognize a lot of people that kind of seemed a little off to me and I got to have an insight in that. But also like understood a little more of like, you know, those looks that those parents gave me, they saw me as yes. someone who was like bringing evil into their house. But they also saw me as like just a nice kid. Like they, so they had that like in the same way that that uh, one woman looks at the reporter when she's talking about, um, you know, how she needs to keep her kids safe. Like she has a very suspicious look at this person. And while she's speaking freely, mm-hmm. you can also say that like I am uncomfortable with you in my presence because I know that you are not one of us. And, right. Like, that look. Had a lot of recognition. So yeah. I didn't even know. I didn't even know most of this. I knew that you were. I knew that you were homeschooled at one point. I assumed that it was like kind of attached to your parents, kind of like radicalizing over the years. But it, it is interesting that like you got a taste of this experience without actually getting a taste of the experience at home. Um, yeah, because because like I have I have cousins who were homeschooled and. While I don't exactly know why they were homeschooled and then they went to a normal public uh, high school, I don't exactly know why they were homeschooled. I do know that some of it was religiously motivated and having, you know, doubts about how um, a public school would speak about faith and how, you know, having doubts that, you know, their teachers because because the teachers weren't there all day or the parents weren't there all day. So they they just assumed that the teachers were up to no good. And that sort of like weird assumption that parents make about what public school is really like is is really troubling in America. The idea it's it's something that Republicans have had for a long time. It really uh, catalyzed in the Reagan years, obviously. But the idea of distrust in the government from every level. Yeah. The idea that the government is both as incompetent as your worst DMV employee, but also as evil as the George Soros or whatever Democratic demagogue you want to you want to put in there yeah and that was the old uh, obama thing like he how can he be so incompetent when he's so when he's also the antichrist like, right you need to get your your uh your story straight a little bit and so what kind of president he is whereas even the like most uh boring criticism of george w bush was like he's a fucking idiot who just stumbles through programs and then he has cheney telling him what to do like at least there's like a through line on on that like just very vanilla version like criticism of of bush that he's just a dummy and he stumbles through stuff which i also disagree with because it belies him making legitimately evil decisions yeah right um it takes away moral it takes away um any sort of moral duty to him, which I think is is not good. Um, but the way you talk about it is like very interesting because like the movie humanizes them, but doesn't necessarily humanize them with the goal of saying these are people that we need to respect. Jesus Camp um, doesn't well, do that, and there's it, a lot of sympathy in general just because they're we're watching a literal brainwashing. Yes, take place. Like, yes. So yes. I don't so, I don't know if that's a good uh, yeah. time. To all we have transition. to do is see all we have yeah. to do is see the footage and then we we understand it. Um but yeah, Aaron, it, it, it is kind of creepy to like think about like 
I, I don't know, like kids are so fucking vulnerable. And Absolutely. Like, you, you were just like, you were just like, yeah, I'll stay home from school. I don't fucking know anybody. I don't want to have to make new friends. Like, yeah, I'll stay home from school well, and, 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 and hang out with you. And I think being in, like, all the public schools and, like, public uh, – because the summer theater was, like, organized by, like, the parks department. Um, But they did, like, you know – so I was in that. Like, I was in West Side Story and I was in Seven Brides or Seven Brothers and stuff like that. And it was up – it was high school kids, too. Like, at the public schools, anyone could be in this stuff. So, like, I – when you do those big, like, 12-night summer theater productions, like, I was there in the summer – and so I got exposed to a lot of like music. Like I remember, I remember I was there. I think when like Elliot Smith died. Oh wow! He he wasn't there. No 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 no. I, I know what you mean. <laughs> I didn't know who Elliot Smith was, but I still remember trying to figure out why everyone was so sad. New conspiracy you know? theory: Aaron killed Elliot Smith. <laughs> yeah, to, to see to see all the play kids cry. I just remember trying to piece that stuff together, like. Cause I, cause I didn't know. I, well, I had like we talked about this in other podcasts. Like I'm the oldest in North Dakota, so I did not have a good music like who to who. We didn't have MTV, so like I had no way to figure out. Like I was not cool enough in seventh grade to know who Elliot Smith was, but like these these other kids were, and so I like finally I think asked someone like because I thought they were talking about Kurt Cobain, even though that was three years ago. But I figured they might right. talk about it. Oh, uh, you know. I didn't know. <laughs> We're all still bummed about it, Aaron. So, you know, there was a lot of, like, there's a lot of, like, drinking, which I didn't do, but, like, they drink, they'd smoke pot, they talk about music and TV, and I, and So, uh, you were sort of a goody two-shoes. You don't drink, don't smoke. What did you do? I I was just one of the youngest people, but I was, like, I had a good, like, relationship. Like, I wasn't, like, as friends like all these high school kids, but, like, they they were very pleasant and accepting and, like, would compliment me on, like, oh, that's good acting. So, so you had the combination of, like, my parents literally trying to keep me away from the evangelical types you see this movie, plus not being, like, not being the type of parents that besides, like, sheltering R-rated movies were trying to, like, cut me off from, uh, unless it was, like, what they considered satanic music, like, heavy metal or, um, or had a lot of swears or sex in it, like, I listened to, you know, all the stuff that was on the radio and like they weren't, they didn't try to censor me from like the other stuff in the world. Uh, and then they obviously, you know, I had situations where I was hanging out with um, the public school kids, but also like older, more um, uh, arty type kids that like, n- even if they had probably tried to like, we're going to deprogram him, uh, it probably, <laughs> it was too late and it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. But they weren't, they weren't really like that at that point. And they never, my parents are so weird because, because they transferred into that so much later in life, like. My parents never became the people that, like, stopped going and seeing movies, R-rated or otherwise. Like, they just, you know, they still watched the same TV. Uh, I remember when my wife had heard all these stories about my parents and, like, had read some of my mom's stuff online. She, like, expected, like, the Duggars. Yeah. They're just, she's like, they're just normal people. I'm like, yeah, they are because they came to it much later and never, like, fully got like crazy about it but like right. you t- you talk to them about their beliefs and then you go like oh yeah. there's the nuts but like, that's the insidious part of yeah. a lot of religious hate is that you can have an, a conversation with that with somebody for an hour about <laughs> anything you can yeah like you can have a conversation about wine with somebody for an hour and then all of a sudden at the end of it is like they're like hey um <clears throat> so what do you think about 
you know, this hot button issue. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I've been talking to a crazy person. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's... It's happened to me in bars, too. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when I, I went to a Catholic college. It happened to me around there. And then you'd be talking to a kid for 45 minutes. Then you'd find out, like, partway through, he's like... It's like, I just don't know if I like how, how many gay kids there are here at Loyola. And I was like, all right, well, um, <laughs> you know, just because, like, we're having a pleasant conversation up to this point doesn't mean that this conversation needs to continue. Exactly. Um, fuck, you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like, but I think- they'll do shots. They'll talk about an HBO <laughs> show. They'll, you know, swear, especially if they have too many shots. And then all of a sudden they'll be like, you know. Rachel Maddow should be stoned. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like, wait, <laughs> what? You were, so I, you I, were just normal. Uh, so, uh, so, anyways, do you guys want to talk about the 2006 documentary Jesus Camp? Woo! I sure do. Should have gone to Space Camp. <laughs> Beautiful McMansions on a hill that overlook a highway. Jesus camp. Welcome. Uh, camp man. for Jesus only. It'd be funny if only Jesus could attend because. <laughs> only people named Jesus or bad. Jesus. Oh, they don't want those people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not sad. Because they're Catholic. Mm. Uh, and because they're not white. Oh. Because racism is a big part of this movie, it, yeah. Uh, although not depicted much in this film, but we we just know from reality that that began. I was thing. very surprised about the three black children that were in this. Did you? Was yeah. the first thing that you thought? Get out! I, I really was like, oh, honey, who did this to you? I would be willing to. Bet <laughs> Are you adopted? That, um, that's what. That was actually my first thought too, and I feel bad about it. But it's like. Aaron, Aaron, black people are just as capable of making horrible mistakes with their children as white it's people. It's true. Maybe it was my first thought because two of my brothers are black and adopted. Oh, well, see. <laughs> that's very, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a pretty specific context. Exactly. <laughs> so, did they end up, did they end up super religious? Not really. Good. <laughs> um, not many people in my family did end up very religious uh, that have like, because my parents still have two kids at, at home. So to reinforce the beliefs of the people in this movie, uh, my parents' worst uh, mistake was letting us expose ourselves as much as we wanted to like the outside world and pop culture where a lot yeah. of those beliefs don't stand up to any scrutiny. So as a result, my parents have had a terrible track record of keeping us uh uh, in the same type of Catholic they are. So, if you're listening and you want to raise your kids to be a certain kind of religion, use this movie as an instructional video. Lock those kids up. Don't let them out. Don't let them experience outside art, culture, brainwashing. Uh, so, oh, dear. It's true, though. I think. No, I it's true. It's just sad. My parents are an example of that. Like, they have all these crazy beliefs, and then we go out there and we're like, oh, I just read on the internet and or I saw this movie and uh, you're dumb. Uh, kind of a bigot, actually. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, Peter, do you have any alternate takeaways? 
Um, As he pushes his glasses up his nose. Drive an SUV. Own a lib. We got also... (laughs) SUVs are not mentioned in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I think the Hummer was a thing yet. Sorry. Uh, More referencing. Own a a minivan, fill it with kids, and send them to camp. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Summer camp, more like bummer camp. Uh, that's solid. That's solid. Uh, that's it. Okay. So this uh, quick recap. This movie is about Becky. She is a minister for the Kids on Fire School of Ministry. Fucking Becky. And I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I didn't know. Fucking Becky. I didn't know until right now that it was called Kids on Fire School of Ministry because I went to go look up the name so I knew what the church was called. Uh, hey, quick note for parents. Oh. Uh, if the church <laughs> yeah. is called Kids on Fire, it's bad. Like, <laughs> ideally, your kids are going to get through. Don't say your kids on uh, fire. Summer camp unscathed by flame. So, <laughs> like, broken kneecap summer camp for kids. Electrocuted children. The, the Christian camp experience. <laughs> <laughs> just like less than ten finger um, tetanus for the trilogy. Rusty right. nails. Kids who don't make it. Uh, <laughs> ran, out of, ran out of injuries. Now your kids are just dead. Um, so, anyways, so Becky, she runs a. Uh, she, they all have shirts at the end okay. that say, "I survived Becky." <laughs> I my my fire was put out. Uh, we'll talk a little bit uh, if we have time about. There is some. I did look up some. Where are they now? Stuff about. I did kids. too. Yeah. Yeah, good. That's good. Becky with the bad hair. 2006, you're like, I hope these some of them turned out okay. Please be normal, uh, I did too. Uh, the success rate of normal is about 50%. Uh, but it does look like it, yeah. So it's a so she it basically goes around and she kind of talks about her summer camp. She also has a youth ministry. Uh, which is yeah, the kids come and they uh, and you get a taste of that very early in the movie where it depicts um, depicts these kids at this summer camp who are immediately like speaking in tongues and just kind of yelling about stuff and it, mm-hmm. it's and we're going to talk about this more. It really is that kind of Christianity where they're not actually teaching anything; it is just reinforcing beliefs. It's like, isn't this stupid? Isn't this great? Say it with me. Like there's mm-hmm. there's not much ministering going on and we'll talk about that more about well i'll talk about now so when they get when they all get to the camp they kind of go through their lessons and their lessons are like let me show you like a brain mold and what happens when bad thoughts get in there like they're talking about lessons but they never to kind of talk about brainwashing and propaganda they never like teach the kids this is what jesus said it's just every single lesson is some sort of like it should be called metaphor camp because it's like two weeks of metaphors about how uh evil all the things that you they want you to hate and all the things they want you to love so anyways uh, but it's very sub dare like remember that week in school that you would have like red whip, ribbon week and dare would come and like marijuana looks like this and it's evil but, like, that and, at least you is know like i remember them teach dare was shitty but it like taught you right. like here's what these drugs do and like here's what and so you could kind of go like you were getting a slanted education but you were getting like an education here i could see them going like hey let me remind you why gays are bad because here's these bible verses and they don't do any of that it is just 
Um, no. It is just like people repeating stuff and like, you want to be a lion? Okay, because the lamb does this, but the lions do this. And if you don't do yeah. that, then the tiger takes over your – like, it is just little like brain exercises to trick weak minds by telling these extremely simplistic stories that don't don't really convey any teachings or learning about the religion, but just get you to go, X is bad, Y is good. Anyway – um, yeah, I don't actually think they quote any scripture. No, no it's and it's about a chanting and then say why you're bad and like right. But I don't. Well, yeah, there's no like actual. Well, that's, the, that's the ironic thing about evangelical Christianity is that they're literalist with their interpretation, but they don't like engaging with the text. They like giving you a secondary no. text because the idea is that the the Bible has sort of a. Contradicts it, a lot of their shit. I mean, that's well, yeah, ultimately, yes, but also the, the Bible has a um, a sort of dense language. That's you know, it's the same reason it takes people to, a while to read Shakespeare or whatever. Like it, the Bible has a dense language, and it's easier for them to tell you the language of the Bible written by morons. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing with with um, at least the evangelicals that I was exposed to is that they don't use the King James no. Bible anymore. They use these like new American editions. Which in some ways which are like have... story Bibles. They're just telling like, right, the story, exactly. which is all they want. And then removing – I mean, and the King James Bibles, I mean, we can get into which, like biblical – Oh, for sure, for sure. It's like an interpretation of an interpretation yeah. of a bad translation exactly. of an interpretation. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, you're already like – and like King James especially was like also Martin Luther changing a bunch of stuff for like clarity yes. to like have his side of it. So, you really are like – by the time you get to the New American, it's just – Yeah. Uh, like this, like someone – they really think like someone 8,000 years ago said like Jesus said that there's no global warming because like they right. have like little notes in there about like how this relates to whatever belief they want to push. Anyway. Yeah. Yes. And you're, uh, you're, so, you're so detached from the original voice, which was a schizophrenic man in the desert which makes sense because again this really is has become a christian in name only cult which, yes absolutely which has stuff yeah. that is literally unrelated to anything that was mentioned in the bible from global warming to thoughts about evolution to don't be kind to your neighbor and i mean you can get into the whole thing right. where like a lot of this kind of fire and brimstone uh, religion, whether it's Christianity or any other version, is like naturally dehumanizing because even though Jesus ostensibly teaches like don't judge, well, as Peter and I said, he also runs like a hell dimension where he tortures people for yeah. eternity. So like that itself is like here's how you go to the hell dimension where I have a lot of things to do to you. Um, you're kind of – and you're giving people – the rules you're kind of setting yourself up for people going why do i need to listen to you based on the rules as i understand that you're going to that hell dimension so you are not a person to me anymore so but even that idea of hell that we have is really a later invention as well like it's not even necessarily original to the biblical text it's yeah it's dante and milton and well, you yeah, know, all, all of those shit, yeah i mean my parents taught me some of those stories like the how satan fell as like the the story of how it happened and that's just paradise lost like yeah like, exactly like the story as we as we know it. that's a i mean again a great yeah. we could probably do a whole podcast especially um because probably a lot of us had to learn we almost had to become like i think theologians of like christian text to probably yeah. get out of that in general i think so i think and i think that's i think i really do think that's the trigger that's the 
that's the way out of of kind of that indoctrination education. is to read yeah. and to yeah education yeah so uh to get through this plot really quickly so there's these four kids oh. um well i'm sorry i wasn't i wasn't we do this all the time so it's a great discussion i'm so glad that we have so uh, <laughs> Levi, Rachel, and I, I just kind of faded out, but I I am trying to just get through the plot. So there, they kind of follows these three main kids: uh, uh, Rachel, uh, four, Rachel, Levi, and uh, Tori. Mm-hmm. And then there's and also, also there's also the one that you meet at the camp. Yeah, forgetting his name. yeah, the little boy Andrew. Andrew, yeah, he's the one that uh, kind of we'll talk more about in the, but he's not. So and they are like you see them at their home life and like the um the most insidious part which is like how brainwashing works like they're watching like this movie where about evolution yes. where like the dinosaurs yes. are mocking scientists for uh thinking they're smarter than god so like you so it's such a great like window into of course when you're framing it that way to a child how are they going to end up if they never right. read another book yeah. because it is saying, like, do these humans think they're th- smarter than God? And also kind of underlying how they are kind of setting up God as, like, this personal superhero who's there to, like, mm-hmm. reinforce everything that the kids want in life and how that's such a dangerous concept when it's, like, marred with these other things because you're giving a kid all of their fantasies. Like, there is an all-powerful right, right. superhero who is on your side. So when kids make fun of you, when – you feel unaccepted, know that not only are you loved, but you are right and they're wrong. Right. And they're going to be punished and your superhero friend's going to give you all the presents. So you kind of see their home life. They're all kind of homeschooled. Uh, and then yeah. they go to this camp, which again is starts out as like a lot of here's these lessons and you see how like, again, just propaganda based and brainwashing they are. Like I said, no real mm-hmm. lessons. And then it kind of transitions into the more overtly political stuff, which my wife walked in on and was like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah, she was, it's scary. It's really scary. Like, and, and my, since my wife has never really been exposed to this, she wasn't raised religion, religious. She really was like trying to engage with it. Like a rational human being, like, well, oh, no, like, no, no, like, no, no. I just don't understand. Shouldn't they know that the kids are too young to like be taught like this and like not understanding but that's the exactly so the thesis of the movie becky says it is she sees like muslims training their this is quotes from the movie like training their kids to take up guns and die for the religion and she doesn't see that as an abusive religion or something to be like hey that's shitty too instead she's like why aren't we doing that we should be like she really views it as like a, a arms race between who can be the most like devout uh, and radicalized and so she is like raising kids to she's teaching these kids to die for their faith and be soldiers against the other religions um yes and so they have like it gets overtly political it go there you know they have a they pass around the fetuses that all these little kids are holding they have the uh stickers over there or the tuck tape with life on yes. the mouth and then they tell these kids that like you'd have you'd have more friends if all these if a, a third of your friends are dead uh, and yes. like shit like that. And then they're like all start saying positive shit to a cardboard statue of George W. Bush. Like, which honestly was the most ludicrous part for me. Like everything else. I'm like, I, I've seen this. I get it. I understand it. The praying and speaking in tongues to a cardboard standee of George W. Bush. I was like, 
No, ma'am. Yeah. And <laughs> I am I out. guarantee there's someone doing it to Trump right now. Uh, you've seen all those dumb oh. paintings and all those evangelical. Oh, I know. So, uh, so, yeah. So, it kind of frames it that. And, like, the framing of the movie as a whole is, like, this like I th- this radio host who I think was on Air America. I for- I don't have his name in front of me. Yeah, he had this sticker, the Air America sticker That's, on yeah. his... Uh, yeah. yeah, and he's kind of saying, look, I'm Christian. This is different. This is literally radicalized, like, homegrown people who cultish that mm-hmm. we all see in our day-to-day are not understanding how their goal is to fundamentally change America. And then you see at the end, like, that's also framed with the Samuel uh, Alito confirmation, which um, yes. everyone is like, we need to do this. And then they also, Levi and his family go visit. I could Are Levi and Rachel sisters or do their families just travel around? I was very unclear. See, that's what I couldn't figure out either. I know th- one of the little boys was his brother. Yep. But then Rachel but was there for, like, the March on She Washington. was there all the time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So you get a little bit of after the church or after the camp as well, where uh, Levi and his family go visit Ted Haggard at his mega church, and there's some stuff about how like this is a there's three there's thirty million people who say they belong to this church. Uh, this movie came out before the Ted Haggard stuff, so what there wasn't even a post, which is hilarious. It came, yeah, it came up around the same time, and the in the jokes uh, that they that he was making to the the the, the two directors, yeah. um, which hold on. Where he says, like, I know what you did last night. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and in the moment, I I don't take it as, like, an insidious, weird thing. I take it as him just, like, addressing that they have outsiders in the room and that yeah. he's, like, and that he's, he's making a joke to the congregation to make everybody a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, but Heidi Heidi Ewing and Rachel Grady um, are the, the co-directors of the movie. Um, and, I, and they got incredible access yeah so much so oh they did it was amazing so much so yeah they get to see ted haggard who at the time he was he was was a big deal rivaling joel austin probably as like they do mention that george he has a weekly he had a weekly call with george w bush on face matters like yeah that's why it was such a big deal for him when he got out so anyways just to really wrap up the plot very quickly well because we can get back to that stuff so and then at the end, Becky kind of says, um, kind of her thoughts on the camp, and she's watching videos and trying to figure out how to do even better next year to kind of um, literally. I mean, she basically says like brainwash these kids because she has the interview with the Air yeah. America host. Like, I need to get them young, and that's how you create mm-hmm. soldiers who don't question these things. Um, and the radio host, when he kind of takes off his his uh, headphones and is like holy shit, we're in trouble is kind of like, I think, what a lot of us probably felt uh, yes. at, the, at the end of this movie. So that's the plot. I don't think we need to talk about our personal reactions because we did that a little bit. But let's talk about this. So Becky – so this camp ended up closing um, after this movie came out because people would go and vandalize it and stuff like that. So um, there was that portion. There was a lot of criticism from both mainstream film critics – and evangelical leaders who thought that they were kind of um, making a trumped up, like a trumped up version of, you know, like the, the it's the Michael Moore accusation. You took all the worst points right. and made it look like, and even if these are the worst parts, it's pretty bad. So like yeah. there's all this, this stuff, none of this is out of context. So even if you, this is just the worst parts and the rest of it's pretty good. The fact that these parts are included is bad. One thing that I really want to make sure that's noted 
Becky herself thought this was a perfectly fair representation of what they were doing at the camp. She yes. did not see this as like a hit job or a edited together uh, thing to make them look bad. She's like, yeah, this is exactly what we're doing. On the two sides, you had evangelical leaders who were a little – knew a little better to say the loud part quiet – who were like, fuck, <laughs> yes. this is a little bit too clear of what we're doing. And then you also had um, mainstream film critics, New York and L.A., who are probably a little more insulated from this like strain of evangelicalism, who saw this and went, no way. Like, this is yeah. this is not representative. Um, but it is. And, and that's what is so... I think that's what makes this still so so powerful is because it is absolutely an accurate representation. I mean, my my husband couldn't go to Boy Scouts because Boy Scouts wasn't religious enough. He had to go to Royal Rangers, you know. Um, Did they allow gay scouts? That is, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the the Royal Rangers uh, really helped us uh, defend off that Godzilla attack. So uh, I don't really want to make fun of they them did. on the show. They did so close to Memorial no, Day they, as well. So close to Memorial. We lost so many. We lost so many Royal Rangers. Um, we lost so many yeah. Royal Rangers. When Re- when Rita Repulsa came in on September 11th, 2001, uh, the Royal Rangers really helped mitigate deaths. Um, they really did. They really they did. Bushes, they, they made some s'mores and talked about Jesus. It was great. <laughs> Um, but you know, I mean, that's, that's this mindset is that these normal sort of institutions, I mean, I know people, we know people in common who find the Boy Scouts to be a little too religious for their tastes. And, you know, to, to have someone coming from this Pentecostal mindset that says the Boy Scouts aren't religious enough, you know, I mean, these, these people are out there and they believe this and they believe it very, very deeply. And, and I think that's why rather than being angry when I was watching this, I was just sad because I know these people. And I, you know, and, and it's, it's frustrating and it's sad because they're so insular. They're so beyond discussion. So, yeah, know? I agree. So I think I've sort of pinpointed why it's so creepy. And it's not an, it's not a hard thing to pinpoint. And that's that. Is it the kids? It's it's that what they're doing to the kids, obviously. Um, yeah. And that's that they are making a particular ask of children that is incredibly unfair to ask of children. Oh, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah. the particular ask is when you're out in public, you're in a fucking bowling alley, go ruin someone's night by evangelizing them. Oh my God. Go ruin someone's night. And this poor girl, she is so adorable and hopefully not insane in current day because she's just so cute and she's so passionate about this stuff. But like no one should have ever put this little girl in this position where she felt like she needed to go save souls. It is both an abuse of the – it's a have your cake – it's 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 both a have your cake and eat it thing where they can both Absolutely. take advantage of the fact that kids are young and impressionable and then flip it and then ha- use that fact that kids are young and impressionable on adults. Yeah. yeah, that sort of innocence is very hard to turn away from. Like I have a very easy time turning away a religious person when they're like thirty and have like a little bit of male pattern baldness creeping in, <clears throat> but when they're like a 13 year old and they're like so sweet and still have that like innocent smile you're like 
oh, um, well, I don't want to be mean to you because you're a fucking child. Like, I'm not mean to children. <laughs> it's funny you're going to mention Andrew because Andrew eventually said, like, it it was and it wasn't child abuse because these yeah. people didn't know what the fuck they were doing because they're victims of this whole cycle, too. But like, Exactly, but like, they yeah. They didn't mean to abuse child children. They just, like, they were abused themselves in the same way, but, like, from a pragmatic view and an objective view, absolutely, the whole – not just the camp, but like the way they were raised is like this horrible form yes. of child abuse. Um, well, and that's the thing with Tori too that I really I honed in on with her is when she's talking about like how she loves to dance, yeah. but she's like, I can only dance for the Lord because sometimes like I dance, I dance for the flesh, I which I interpret to mean like she dances for fun. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell. I want to play a game called like Super Christian. Big time Cronenberg fan. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> but also, like, she's the age where she might be starting puberty. And, like, there might be something that, like, yeah. she might be going through the beginning stages of her trying to figure out her own body. And, like, the idea. Exactly. The, 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 you're yeah. so right, Amanda, to call that out. Because yeah. it's, it is so potent, the idea. And she's like, well, I like hard rock music, but I can only listen to Christian hard rock. Is, is, yeah. is so potent because she's like i like the energy i like the idea that i can move my body and like maybe work out some of this extra energy and i like the idea that i can dance and express my body in a way but like it always has to be in service of this thing this, right. this institution that is being voiced by very very imperfect humans humans that i think that yes. us three would call evil i think becky fisher is a piece of shit i do um, i think she's trash. absolutely and and that's well, why and I, that's why it's also these kids are like yeah. eight, right? Eight or ten. Exactly. Uh, ele- eight to I ten. I think like eleven, ish. twelve. Oh, really? Really? I don't have children, but I I feel like so it- Rachel's nine and Levi's twelve, and Andrew. Okay, because well, I was gonna say that Rachel has to be the youngest because she looks like a tiny yeah. little girl. Yeah. Um. And and Andrew seems very young. Andrew seems very young, and um. He does seem very young. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's kids in this that. You see weeping. That's the most famous image of the movie is is children weeping. Yeah. It's literally the cover of the movie. And it's it's so heartbreaking, not just because watching kids weep is sad, but because of what I was talking about earlier, putting this weight on these children that mm-hmm. not only, um, A, are they, obviously, like when you're a parent, you have, to, you have to open up your kids to the idea of evil in a very slow way. And there's like no perfect way to do that. But like the idea that you're putting on these kids... You're putting on these. Did I get points? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was me. I did that. I did that like three weeks ago, and now it made me want to carry a bell for the show now. For whenever Aaron it says something I like, I'll just ring a bell. Um, I'll get you a bell. Yeah. So he. Um, I mean, you know how I taught my uh, daughter about evil in relation to this movie. When I turned it off, I said, uh, when I noticed she was watching it, I'm like, oh, they're, they're, those kids are bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't know, like, I just was like, just in case in the three minutes you were watching the tongues, the the talking in tongues that you like are like, ooh, older kids, I'm just going to be like, this is the simplest way. Those people you saw are bad guys. Not not good. I mean, um, nuance is hard for three-year-olds, which is like part of the reason that we're having this discussion, because nuance for children is very hard to grasp. But when they make the kids cry, it's obviously incredibly... yeah. Hard to watch, but it's also hard to watch because 
they're crying for something that they have no responsibility for. They have no political yes! sort of context for, Aww. yet they're asked to be yes. political actors. <laughs> and they, <laughs> Becky is not just saying, she's not speaking to them aspirationally, saying, you know, I'm sure you're all great kids, no. but, you know, maybe let's act better. She is calling out the crowd saying, yes, um, she uses the term hypocrite kids. Because, you know, oh, they go yeah. they go to church, but, you know, they don't do any action behind their, their prayer. Yep. Um, and that they, you know, they maybe they watch Harry Potter, which obviously, she says, is an enemy of God and would be put to death. Which is, we, uh, we agree on that. Harry Potter is an enemy of God and would be put to death. I mean, I like the idea that that is a positive thing that she's sharing with these children. Like, you know, that kid you like, <laughs> in a good world... He'd be dead. And that, okay, so that that shows you also part of the indoctrination that's so yeah. evil. So attacking. Poor Daniel Radcliffe. Once you see this, it is so easy to Wait see. Wait till you saw world. Equus. When you see. When you see. <laughs> when you, when, see, when Equus. you see Equus. You're going to be like, that Harry Potter guy, no good. Get away from fucking horses, no Harry. Good. Um, you saw what happened to Neville Longbottom. You can't tell me that's not witchcraft. <laughs> the the Harry Potter attack is also particularly um, interesting and particularly gross because it's not just them attacking one particular work and saying this doesn't fit within our, our context. It's the same reason right. there was moral outrage over Pokemon and a million other things. The reason they is need this. That. They need to they have do. big public markers that the the mainstream culture is evil so that they can build in kids who kids all they want to do is be accepted most kids most kids just want to be like i want to i just want to fit in with the established guidelines and then yeah. you get to your teenage years and you're like well what does fitting in mean and it gets more complicated kids at this age but if you can in. catch exactly it's that it's that tween and younger demographic yes and and they that i think is so insidious in this movie is that that is the target for her yeah and and you know these little kids you know like confess your sins what's you know how does a nine-year-old have sin Uh, you know what i mean it's a common experience among every fifth grader every third grader second grader whatever (laughs) that went to catholic school common experience you lied you lied during your first reconciliation or peter it was the same three or four things every time, right? Yes. Uh, let me guess. I'm going to try to guess yours because they're all mine. It was sometimes I didn't do my chores. Yeah. Sometimes I was maybe disrespectful, talked back to my parents, some form of that. Yep. Lied. Yeah. Lied to and, teachers. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and then lying. And then I feel like, uh, did I say I didn't do my chores? Yeah. Yeah. So like. I think I think I feel like there's a fourth one that was oh like mean to my siblings. Yeah, yeah. And also, um, I performed the Black Dahlia murder. <laughs> but, but you didn't say that every confession. That's just a one-time thing, and then you're done. You know, it was pretty I'm bad. So I felt standard. like I had to I had to really come back to week to week. And the priest was like, "Hey, buddy, you already told me about the Black you're Dahlia thing. Forgiven. Tell me you some said, new things. <laughs> you said the ten Hail Marys, right? You're God, done. You're fine. Spot that. Tell me about those Zodiac murders. <laughs> you kill anyone else, I'll give you an Our Father and a Glory B. <laughs> and that's a common thing. Amanda, you knocked, uh, you knocked out the part. Is that black every, Dahlia is a common yeah, thing. Is that every nine-year-old needs to have committed their black first Dahlia. ritual murder by the time they turn 10. It's just Perfect. It's part of it. No, Amanda, you nailed it. 
children don't commit sins because children don't no. know what the fuck a sin is. Children have no understanding no. Of, of morality. They literally just need like a good and evil like this will make people not like you and this will make people like maybe be nice to you. Like you need like a very simple sort of understanding of things. And the idea that you would put exactly. like target kids at that age and then say that an entire cultural movement, the mainstream cultural movement is evil because of these five things that I just decided are evil based on tenuous evidence. And I just get to talk because I'm the big dumb asshole with a microphone in the front of the room. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and, and that stuff is all really insidious to me. Really insidious. Making Can kids feeling guilty about fucking nothing. Well, and it's, Absolutely. And it's, it's Can also supposed to be that kind of like, they're that harsh because they're saying they understand how propaganda works. Like you're going to, that's why they, right. they're already chastising them for being hypocrites and fake Christians because they're going, hey, if you leave here and you're friends are going to go watch Harry Potter, just know that they're going to hell and you're going to hell. So it's this, yeah. it's this like, and, and then you surround them with people that like, you can tell like when Andrew is up there kind of saying, I'm having a little trouble right now believing in this stuff. And all the kids' faces are like, oof, I might not have to talk to him because he could be evil. And that like – yeah, it's just like it's not accepting of questioning. It's it's not no. accepting of oh you're struggling with your faith. Well, I care about you. It's like are you out of my club or are you in the club? Because if you say anything that's mm -hmm. out of the club, you are basically going to be like any cult. Like you are chastised. We're going to turn your back on yeah. you. And like all those kids are like Andrew is actually like a pretty mature kid, and he's expressing a lot of complex feelings about faith. And everyone looks at him like, oof, that's not what we meant by, he, like, what you're struggling with. You meant, like... He did bring a life-size fish pillow to camp. Every member of the band. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had it. Every member of the band. Uh, life-size, it was, it, was, it was a lot to pack. It was... Oh. They, they had... They had Trent. That Trey Anastasio. Yeah. Who brought the 12, uh, 12 six foot tall uh, pillows and one uh, five foot two? <laughs> but the, that fish was bigger than he was, for God's sakes. This is a yeah, little. It was for God's boy. sake. It literally was for oh. God's sake. Literally was for God's um, sake. I want to talk about. I know you wanted to talk more about that Andrew scene and probably where he went. I want to mention that was like when I was trying to watch this movie with a little bit more of a critical eye and like notice like. Uh, the some of the charges of manipulation. That was one of the scenes where I'm like, they're having everyone yell their sins, and it's really intense, and other people are chanting over it, and they have this like yeah. music in the background. It's like uh, almost sounds like something from like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, like oh, like this really intense. That was a woman well, making well, exactly. those noises. I'm like, see, okay, this is clearly where the directors have added a level of intensity with this background music, and then they cut to some lady just singing this like. Very stressful, high pitched note meant only yes. to increase intensity, uh, and I'm like, oh, holy shit! Like that, even that part that I thought was there to just add musical cues to increase the level of intensity was not added. It was just no. some lady who's like, hey, can you uh, can you make some noises for an hour while these kids uh, all cry and say why they're bad kids? Uh, they really, really uh, drive the point home that they're garbage. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I and I think too. I mean, I think that all goes back to the the speaking in tongues thing, which is, you know, it's supposed to be spontaneous. It's supposed to be sort of this weird, 
kind of spiritual release. Um, and, and to be frank, the times that I have actually witnessed it and heard it, um, it does not sound legitimate to me, um, uh, because I'm not, I guess, obviously I'm evil, I guess. I thought it was yeah. suspicious uh, that all my friends that grew up in the 80s just did their tongues like, makalaka hi, makalaka hi, ni, ni. Yeah, no, I I, jo- I I made this joke, but I actually swear I heard a girl going through the Taco Bell menu at one point. <laughs> you know, like it's, but it's... <laughs> but it's but the thing is or or at least in the church uh it was my husband's family's church that I experienced this in the same person who was speaking in tongues then turned around and translated it which to me as as you know a rational semi adult at that point was like wait a minute if you're speaking in tongues and you're translating it, then doesn't that mean you're just making it up? <laughs> yeah, because the point is, is that you're speaking a language you don't understand either. And it's the Holy yeah. Spirit talking. But but the pastor at, at my at the family church would be like, and here's what the Spirit's saying, you know. Give more He was money. not. New plane. <laughs> so can I ask you guys a part in this movie that is like I almost feel catty saying it, but it did infuriate. Is it Levi's rat tail? No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Especially in two thousand six. I love to ma- I love to make fun of a child, but we can we're thinking I think we're talking about something else. No. Oh okay. so Becky at the beginning at her sermon is criticizing the kids and the parents for being too fat and lazy. Yes! Like, oh my god. Like, I would never shame anyone no. for their weight. But there is something that is like almost encapsulates Becky as like a completely lacking of self-awareness to be like yes. fat shaming. Pe- like, is she not just saying like it as a colloquialism? She is She's literally fat She's literally people. saying, you people are too lazy and you just want to go to your McDonald's and do this and because you don't want to exercise because you're like – yeah. And it's like, look, you of all – like, it just really represents a lack of self-awareness for someone who is not skinny to chastise other people for uh, eating fast food, not exercising, and being overweight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I think that just speaks volumes about who she is as a person, like just how absolutely morally bankrupt she is. But you, but I think it's even more than morally – I mean, she's obviously morally bankrupt, but like – she has to be lacking in even the most basic self-awareness because you can be morally bankrupt but also understand that if you're like, and people who have curly hair are the devil and you have curly hair, people might go, wait a second. Like, wait a second. Are you saying yeah. you're naughty? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like she – the um, I, I mean, that also goes I'm to the – following your logic part. puzzle. Thank you. Um <laughs> It, I mean, it also speaks to her weird thing where she starts the camp by asking, like, children for, like, compliments on her looks, which kind of seems Yeah, me. that whole thing was very sketchy to me. I did not enjoy I, that. I think Becky is an extremely lonely woman. Um, I would agree with that. From all the research I did, also, it seems like she's just a very lonely woman. Like, no, like, when, I mean, even just, like, in a professional sense, like, when her also we should jump into this real quick when the movie came out um 
it had such a backlash and then people, I think a few people vandalized the property and then the property owners like came up with an excuse to be like, uh, yeah, that's uh, why we don't want uh, the crazy people coming back. The property owners yeah. had many over the years, it became out very obvious that many qualms with uh, this kids on fire group coming in, setting yeah. kids on fire during the summertime. Set kids on fire. Yeah, it's already hot enough. Kids don't need to be on be fire. fair, I side with those uh, property owners 100%. Yes, I, I agree oh, with them. Oh, for sure. I agree with them. But I, at the time, they cited like, oh, there was some vandalism and we don't want to invite that on ourselves. And then later, yeah, it kind of came out. They were, like, loss, yeah. they were like, oh, these people are nuts and we don't want to be any party to this. That being said, like, she just got abandoned time and time again by professional people that she worked with um ted haggard also cut off ties with her even when like he went went through all that shit like he was cutting off ties with the group and like a bunch yeah. of other people were, t- were cutting off ties with the group she's just a very lonely woman who can't seem to keep people in her circle um this all of these programs kind of kind of dissolved and then which, other which people probably is up. why she let them into film it right because she, yeah, and I think that's again. I think the reason why people cut ties is because you were. This is like we're not supposed to let everyone know what we're doing, asshole. Exactly. Like, no, I think you're right. We're supposed to, like Ted Haggard is the perfect example, like pre-scandal, because he is kind of charming and he is kind of funny. He knows how he knows joke time. He, he knows comic timing. He knows what. He yeah. knows that there's a difference between what he says. When he is in front of like giant screens in front of, you know, X million people or 100,000 people, like he's reinforcing all that shit, but he's not saying it as he's dog whistling it to like the other stuff that they're learning about in their prayer groups and their study groups and their local stuff and the books they put out and everything else. So that there's like a level of plausible deniability about like what their ultimate goal is. And then here you have this documentary of like these children. Being told, like, go worship the picture of George W. Bush. It's a little like, hey, shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. these kids need to get older yeah. first so they can do stuff that we like, we're telling everyone way too early. Yeah, there's definitely a, a showmanship that somebody like a Ted Haggard has that knows how to play to a wider audience and i and she does not have that she doesn't have yeah. that sort of of sense and it kind of reminds me um one of the things that i was thinking about when i was watching this which is really really weird but i was thinking of a couple of different things i was thinking of like because i had just listened to this really in-depth podcast on jonestown and like jim jones's early thing was he got into like this tent revival movement was that was that and the pbs one no um this was a different podcast oh it's a podcast sorry i thought you said documentary yeah because i hear what i want to sometimes <laughs> um and but but like his first exposure to like working a crowd and like learning how to how to you know drum up support and drum up interest and and get people on your side was learning from these tent revivalists and and it's the same thing so um some friends and i were talking we were actually talking about the mystery science theater the new one uh star crash which the besides starring david hasselhoff in his best role ever uh stars this guy named marjo who i didn't realize until i was talking to them actually was considered the youngest evangelical preacher in like the 
40s or 50s and then like went through this big hippie phase and dropped out and then became an actor and blah 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 but he did a documentary in the 70s like revealing all of the tricks of the evangelical preachers and the revivalists and so it made me kind of think of that as well like there are these people the people who the ted haggards the joel olsteins they know how to do the manipulation and she's just not that clever yeah and and that's where we got the phrase, right? It really is like evangelical Christian in the movement where we got the phrase that we've been saying many times in this podcast, which is, you know, saying the loud part quiet and the quiet part loud. And that's become a, a, yeah. common, a more common phrase lately because Donald Trump is an idiot who like uses is like is is like a tent revivalist where he just uses whoever's yeah. dumb enough to to kind of fall for his shit but he is not smart and so he says instead of like giving racist dog whistles he just is like I don't like black people and Mexicans are rapists right. like he I mean yeah. and so that's why the phrase has become popular but Becky was the same way like by letting yeah, these, absolutely. by letting these cameras into her camp she let everyone see not just like how clear their teachings were and what they were saying, but like how there was no uh, compunction about like, no, we're not just like talking about this as adults. Like we got to fucking get these eight year olds as indoctrinated right. as uh, as the way like terrorists are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's frightening. Yeah. I <laughs> at least like Ted Haggard could like deliver a joke and be like, exactly. and be, like charming and like hide his hide his sense of of, of evil um ted haggard always welcome on the podcast if he ever wants to come on <laughs> when ted haggard got caught i was like of course because i had right. been, i had been inundated to the idea that hardcore religious people were hypocrites but the problem yeah. was yes like that that they built in a belief system that allows for themselves to sin but also it it doesn't allow for other people to sin or any sort of sort of uh, cultural relativism in uh, how other people act. And right. so it's always like, well, he's one of us. So we need to interpret his sin within our context and welcome him back into the fold. Whereas exactly. on the flip side of things, when the, when it's like uh, somebody that, you know, like a Democrat sinning or, you know, just anybody that's like, it would be an easy target, you know, a mainstream media figure. Um, they know how to get the crosses out and, and know how to crucify somebody with no sense of like, hey, you can come back to God. It's always like, you have sinned. You will never be brought back in because we're not even welcoming you to that idea. You, you're an evil yeah. thing. So. Well, and that ultimately gets to what the real belief of these people and, like, the modern incarnation of them is, which is not a belief system that can be, like, reasoned with or anything else because their ultimate belief at the end of the day is I am right and you are wrong. And so, exactly. if, so if you believe in global warming and science and they see the Al Gores of the world and other like Democrats embrace it, it's not a matter of even needing the science to check out. It's these people are wrong about things and they believe this. So now I need to find out why they are wrong, which is why the Ted Haggards are welcome back, because they have a vested interest in having redemption for people like them that they believed were right um, mm -hmm. where they have no vested interest in the people that are wrong because that is their – and 
Again, they believe the wrong people are like minions of Satan. Exactly. Trying to torture. I mean, this is it's why like I don't really know where our country's headed, and this is such a the, a fertile ground of why that is. It's like I don't know how do you have a rational discussion about like abortion rights or the rights of women when they've been raised from a young age then like these people literally take joy in murdering like human babies not like zygots yeah. or like any of this stuff but like that they take joy in human babies and when they try to tell you anything otherwise that's the devil that is that is speaking through them to trick you like where where is the discussion about abortion rights in the country when those are the two sides? Like we want women right, to have exactly. you know, safe access to contraceptive because we believe that they have control over their own body, and also uh, these are people who take joy in murdering babies, and anything they they say is uh, propaganda of someone who's trying to torture you. For like, I don't know where that leaves us as a country. I don't know how you yeah. come to a compromise or terms. Uh, and this is that. Like this is. This, these are kids literally being told, hey, you know how sometimes you don't feel you have friends? Well, it's because people you know murdered your friends. Yeah. And and I don't think there is a middle ground for the people that are depicted in this film. Those those types of people. I, they, there is no middle ground. So you can't talk to them. You can't reason with them. And maybe that's a good time to do the where are they now part. Right? I think that's a great time to do the Where Are They Now part. Yeah, we do another segue. Amanda, you bring I, up the segwiest in us. I am the segway best. Nope. <laughs> nope. Perfect. Seg- Stop there. Nope. It was a bad pun, which means it's perfect for this show. <laughs> can you can you drive around on two wheels? Because you're a segway <laughs> machine to us. Yeah. <laughs> the kids... So, Amanda, I don't know if you want to speak to them a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I there was an article that came out in The Guardian a few years back. Uh, and unfortunately, they only caught up with a couple of the kids, which I... So the, and then there was, uh, I'll let you speak to it, but there was actually then another, um, there was the Guardian piece, but then there was, there was then another piece that took the Guardian piece and tried to follow up with the other kids that didn't make it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I know with the Guardian piece, uh, they looked at they they were able to talk with Andrew and Levi, and um, Andrew, uh, the little boy that we saw in the movie that was having that severe crisis of faith for which for a ten year old is just heartbreaking to watch. Did you see his? Um, did, you, did you see his last name? Oh yeah, it's Summer Camp. Yeah, Andrew's last name happens to be Summer Camp. That's just a weird weird thing. Um, but, uh, I guess his dad came out as gay and, and that was pretty much the last kind of nail in the coffin for, um, at least his evangelical belief. And now he's sort of a kind of hippie Christianish kind of freewheeling kid or guy, And I guess now. And of Becky, he said, uh, she is a terrible fucking person who is fueled yes. by the spiritual suffering of others. And I... Th- I'm not going to argue with him. So there's a gossip blog called Oh No They Didn't, which caught up with... Uh, um, oh, I know about Oh No okay. They Didn't. Which caught up with Rachel and Tor. Okay. Well, and then Levi, of course, has is married and is still trying to be a preacher, but does not have the mighty rat tail anymore. He kind of looks like a Justin Bieber's brother or something. Like, he's kind of... Yeah. He's, he's kind of got that weird... He, like, if a... Um, 
a boy band member got really into Jesus. It's sort of a Stephen Baldwin thing. It's like, yeah, you're like, oh, man, like you're trying to pass off all of this sort of uh, creepy indoctrination as normal thing behind your sort of like face. But it's just not working like it's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, oh, no, they didn't uh, said. So Rachel apparently went through some sort of like. Uh, spiritual crisis on her relationship with God and she almost gave it up because she thought so it started to make her feel bad is like there's not that much information but she almost gave it up she said she still has a complicated view but she is studying to be an English I really hope Rachel and this is now like three years after this came out or two years after I hope of all the people like Rachel got out of it because oh yeah that poor little girl she was just adorable and like she seemed to have no compartmentalization of it which was really no hard she to was watch. so earnest yeah, yeah I just uh, and then Tori is uh, studying dance and communications in college um, and she is still ex- um yeah and the Tori the Tori thing like you're like I I don't I don't know she was in a big family it just feels like she was never going to actually get out but like I I, I wish more of these kids like they're public about their experiences because like yeah these, are, these camps still exist just not on the same scale and with not the same level exactly not with the same level of uh public perception partially because of how this turned out yeah. And I just yeah. to circle back to my own thing too, like some of those people that I knew in like homeschool times, I'm like, I, you know, they added me on Facebook or I did at some point. And I'm amazed how like 100% of them are still this. They are still like this. And I've had the conversation with my brother who was also homeschooled uh, same time I was because his big brother did it. So, they, just, my parents decided to do that with my brother Luke who also is not religious or at least this kind of religious anymore. And we just have – we've had that conversation. Like it, it's so weird that like with that like type of evangelicalism, from my perception of the people I knew at that time, they seem to have had a 100% success rate. And some of them I did run into at like the high school and I was amazed that they were still like on that same page that they were in junior high yeah. because you kind of expect people to grow out of it. Like – and some of it is like I did and I know that's not a good prism to always view the world but – and instead like even my friends who were kind of like – uh, in that like homeschool thing they were like trying to get Playboy magazine and stuff like that if anything seemed to have like I remember running them in, into them in high school and being like oh I was yeah I was going through a sinful time and it was like oh you doubled down on it like these little yeah. like little bits of rebellion probably got like I don't want to say beaten out but I do mean it metaphorically maybe literally but I don't know that for, or I don't have any like proof or anything like that but right. but it 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 is so weird to see like my parents had a terrible success rate in keeping like their kids uh catholic or uh devout and like everyone else in that same time frame that was also homeschooling they had an amazing success rate and yeah and i just like it's 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 scary because what it's saying is that the Jesus camps of the world work. Mm-hmm. Like, they work. And they don't just work. Like, everything that Becky said about if we get them now, we teach them all this stuff. They're going to be with us forever. They're going to be our soldiers from life. Yeah, I mean, she's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, that's the 
that's one of the worst parts of it is kids acting like adults is normally like an adorable thing. But um, these suckers perverted that. Like they turned, yeah. <laughs> they turned uh, children into they they took children and then put the weight of the world on their back and then made children feel guilty about it. Um, yeah, I have, I have no sympathy for the Beckys of the world um, because yeah, it, it clearly a lot of these people didn't come out of the experience like like oh. That was kind of fucked up, that weird thing we did when we were, like, 11 or 10. A lot of them came out of the experience like, oh, well, that was just the start of my education. Well, in theory, they're watching this and going, um, maybe they had their own kids or want to have their own kids. And they don't – I mean, they don't see this as, like, oh, my God, I can't believe my parents did this to me. They're like, yep, this is how I have to teach my kids because that's how it works. Obviously, we have a small group to to make the selection from, but it does seem like for the majority that it wasn't necessarily a negative experience. And that's that's so strange and kind of sad. So I want to I want to point to in terms of like uh, a scene that really infuriates me. And I I feel like we can kind of walk towards the end with this. Um, These are these are just kids. Um, I don't think these yeah. kids are evil. I, I even even when they're protesting abortion, I don't think these kids are evil. I think they're too young. I think they are any- now. I think they are now. Yes, <laughs> maybe when they're fifteen or whatever, <laughs> they finally crossed a line where I can condemn them. But at this yeah. point, they're just they're purely tools of a evil system. There's a there's a sequence during a, during the storm where they're all playing with each other and doing the shit that we all did as yes. kids where they're making scary faces yeah. at each other, running around, spooking each other, playing like ghosts in the graveyard kind of thing, and they're telling ghost stories and stuff. You know, as happens in any other camp, uh, you know, somebody comes in, a counselor comes in and says like, hey guys, all right, it's time for bed. Like, you're, you're making a lot of noise. I need you to be fully rested for tomorrow. So you're, yeah. so you're not shitheads because you're kids, obviously, whatever. Um, but what he says is, I don't think ghost stories glorify the Lord and everything you do should glorify the Lord. And it is the abuse in a microcosm as mm-hmm. a, as simple yeah. as it seems. It's the abuse in a microcosm because when kids are acting weird and trying to like scare each other and trying to tell stories and trying to kind of like associate themselves with, with like what scares me, what scares you. And it's, it, it's something that's very close to me, especially somebody who's really into horror movies. Like part of my growing yeah. up was getting really into like ghost stories and, and telling, ki- telling kids like this ghost story because I knew this would scare them and they tell me this story or whatever. And, and, it, and it doesn't just teach you about fear. It teaches you about how to tell a story and how to talk to your friends. And like this time in this bunk with all the lights off is when these kids are actually kids and get to actually play yeah. with one another and talk about whatever the hell they want to. It doesn't have, have anything to do with ghost stories. But then this fucking gormless shit stain walks into the bunk and is like, hey guys, this doesn't look much like praying to me. Like that's the only fun part about summer camp is when you actually get to like just right. do whatever you want and like actually talk to kids and figure out like what makes you unique and what makes you normal and like all all that stuff is so all that stuff is so such a beautiful and crucial part about growing up that you can only get from having Un, yeah. un, unsurveilled conversations with other kids and this kid's this yeah, fucking it, asshole steps all over it so we are yeah. two human beings peter that are yes. just talk about movies so we don't have themes but i can't think of anything more thematically appropriate 
to our podcast than that being the most uh, the most infuriating part. Yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't let those fucking so. kids tell horror stories. Not on my watch. <laughs> it just seems like anytime those kids were being little kids. That was that had to be stamped out. Yes. And I totally agree. And you know what's so funny, though? I can actually literally understand it from my own perspective. So uh, one of my friends that were one of those homeschool kids, we were really into uh, Magic the Gathering cards. I was into a lot of these oh. cards. And I, he, he had told me that he had hit them from his parents, right? Um, yeah. Because his parents didn't want him to have it, obviously. And we also, like, but they knew that he collected cards because we also played the Star Trek and Star Wars, like, customizable card game. Um, yeah. So he, um, so we were talking about, like, we were going to get together and hang out. And we were talking about, like, some new cards we had gotten or whatever. Unbeknownst to me or him, his parents were listening on the other line. Uh. And uh, they they canceled the plans that we had had to hang out. And I still remember her mom spoke to me like not, she never like said, go to, I need to talk to your parents. She literally spoke to me directly. And I only thought of it was weird. Like in retrospect. Um, And of course I never went and told my parents because she was like, she told me that she didn't think that we should hang out for a while because she wanted our friendship to be godly. And from what they overheard by listening on the phone, it wasn't godly because not only did he have these cards, but I knew about them and like we were keeping secrets from them. And I think he got in a ton of trouble. And but he was also Uh. like, like, you can't hang out with our son anymore because you are like encouraging. Like, even though he had the cards, that's how we became friends in this little homeschool group. Um, Yeah. But anyway. Uh, so, what a yeah. tragedy, though! Like a young, a young friendship where all you all you have in common yeah. is just like this weird nerd shit. This weird nerd shit, and you're not. It's not just about the nerd shit, right? It's it's that you two had a specific interest, and then from that you can build track. onto yeah. yeah. You can build you can build mountains on top of some weird specific thing. You and I, you and I built our entire friendship and every <laughs> episode of this podcast war. off of a single fucking video game. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and that's entirely true. And what's funny is like he's one of the people I really think of when I think of like it. It felt like he went to like reeducation camp because he yeah. also like had I like I think he had a couple like Sports Illustrated swimsuit you know edition <gasps> seventh grade kids eighth grade boys having that kind of stuff. No. And, but when I met, I didn't see him again, ever in junior high. Like, we, that was it. We just didn't hang out anymore. Yeah. Again, like, having that, like, is this really godly, like, scary story thing is so resonant for me when I literally got told I couldn't be friends with someone because uh, our friendship wasn't godly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so tragic. And at a pretty good capper on, on this, I think. Um, so, guys, we should probably move to final thoughts. Yeah. We've been recording yeah. for uh, forever. But yeah, my my only final thought is that um, this movie is very easy. It's very easy to laugh at um, the the people in the movie for how fucking geeky they are uh, and how dorky they are. Um, sorry, guys. and he didn't use nerd. He used um, we asked him not to say. Yeah, hey, dork. <laughs> I'm reclaiming it. I would love to reclaim dork. Okay, we'll we'll do this again. Um, it's very easy to make fun of this movie for how nerdy the 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 central participants in in it are. Becky is a big old nerd, and she doesn't seem to have any sense of tact. Like, uh, is there anything more embarrassing than Christian rap music? 
Oh my like, god. Like uh, Christian heavy metal? <laughs> Christian heavy metal is is somehow better because at least you can ignore it and just focus on like the guitars. I, I think with Christian rap, like the lyrics are so forward that you're like, oh no, I can't I can't ignore this. It's easy to laugh at this, but it's very dangerous. It is an emotional form of abuse. I, I think the movie was very hard to watch from that perspective because this isn't some weird phenomena that went away. This no, this type yeah. of education, this type of homeschooling, this type of of indoctrination has only gotten more more strong in recent years, particularly with the election of, of Republican leaders that these evangelicals think that they can control. Um, with which with Trump is true. Like he doesn't give a shit about any of this stuff, but he just knows that evangelicals are a solid base for him so he every so often he says something transphobic and then a local judge knocks it down or whatever this stuff is all very important because it 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 affects legislation going forward it affects real people and yeah it's fun to laugh at but also this is like scary shit for me well and i think as my final thoughts like I do think showing this to people now, if it's the first time you've seen it, and I'll let Amanda speak to that with her final thoughts, too, if she wants to. I don't think the the people that went, okay, yep, this is bizarre, but this is not representative. I don't think you'd have that many people saying that anymore because the Trump stuff was like calling evangelicals what we all assumed was like their their red line, right? Like, right. like sure, they have – like that they have some sort of core morality – that would that maybe they're not going to go vote for Hillary Clinton because she's a pro baby murderer and all that nonsense they think, but like they're not voting for fucking Donald Trump who has probably paid for a hundred abortions. And we found out that like, as someone has put better than me, like all the worst things that you suspected about the evangelical movement from this mo- this movie and all and other just like real life sources turned out to be more true than we ever could have imagined in in 2006 like at least george w bush as a war criminal and a monster and all that kind of stuff like he had the facade of like someone who had went through a conversion and was a changed man and trump you know they they don't even they, they are literally just pretending for him so that he can do the stuff that they want him to do so i do feel like this is less shocking to people than it was in 2006, or I have to imagine is. However, I will say that one thing that you can still get a lot out of this movie, if it's not surprise, is a recognition of what the reaction was from a lot of, like, uh, coastal elites that this must not be representative. Because one of the biggest problems in the world today is an unwillingness to, like, really understand what's in front of us. What the people that we disagree with politically actually believe and want. And to this day, mainstream media and stuff like that is is reluctant to kind of call what is going on what it's what's really going on because they feel like there there's some kooks here and there, but they 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 need to be able to say that like that that like at at the core they're good Christians and here's an example of some some people that have gone too far over the edge but acting like their representative is incorrect and now we have the like Republicans just want fiscal conservative and yeah there's a few racists in there but that's not representative of the Republican Party like that unwillingness to kind right. of to kind of go hey guys uh maybe most of them actually think this as a way of like being seen as like a coastal elite or someone who's not 
uh, in touch with middle America or whatever else it is, um, is still a problem. And it was a problem with this movie and it's a problem now. And it's why we – that they have been able to do what – like the reason that the Jesus camps – you know – not flounder the exact opposite flourished uh is because everyone went and said this is nothing this is just some religious people who get carried away sometimes and it's the same reason why we're in the mess we're in now because instead of going like hey we got a bunch of white nationalists not we have like two political parties one's a white nationalist uh, uh authoritarian party and one believes in democracy even though they have their own problems sometimes like no one can say that. It's just like, well, these people yeah. are small government and these are big government because that's right. what I understood in the 70s. So uh, the this might not be that surprising, but the ultimate issue with like exposing this still is in every respect a problem in this country. Yeah. I mean, I think this is still a very much timely and kind of vital documentary. I mean, I didn't see it when it came out. I just saw it today. And I mean, for me – uh, you know, there were a lot of people, not that I literally recognized, but I know those people. I went to school with those people, you know. Um, my husband's family are those people. And, uh, you know, so f- for me, one, it rang very, very, very true. And I, and again, I mean, I keep coming back to this idea of just, uh, it just made me sad. I mean, my, my heart breaks for those kids. I mean, realizing now that they're adults and, and some of them have moved on and some of them haven't. But, um, and I think Peter put it really well, like this kind of, uh, you know, this emotional weight that you're putting on these children, it's it's obscene. It's part and parcel of what is going on on this day in 2018. And I, you know, and, and for that, I really... um you know, I really commend the the women who made this. I know people have picked out and have problems and and whatever, but you know, this it's not too far from what I've seen and witnessed. So I, you know, that's that's sort of my takeaway is that it's a a, a fair representation of these people. Exactly right. Um so this, yeah, this was kind of a fun episode. As we said, Amanda, like we're gonna do <laughs> Next month you're on is like the happy funniest movies we can find. Yes, um, you did. Uh, you've done now back to back Wolf Creek and <laughs> Jesus Camp. Uh, one is more horrifying than the other. Um, we'll let the the listeners decide that though. Jesus Camp. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, but thank you so much. Uh, and we really, you know. Um, we rarely do this, but when Peter and I talked about doing this uh, this movie, you were we normally, as you know before, we're like, here's some movies we're doing. Pick one that interests you. Yeah. And we with this one, we literally like, hey, Amanda, we'd like you to talk Jesus Camp with us because we just – we thought, you know, it, doing our first documentary – and kind of changing kind of what we what we were doing for this podcast, you were the first name that came to our mind of like who we wanted Aww. to do that with. So, well, we thank you so much for coming on and hearing a lot about me, uh, which I kind of apologize <laughs> to everyone about. I may try to cut out some of it, but it is it's one of those weird movies where this is like, oh, this is essentially people I literally knew. 
No, yeah. I well, know. Side, side, yeah. note, Aaron, side note, Aaron, don't take out very much of it because it was very, very good. Both of your perspectives were way more valuable than mine, so maybe take out some of my stuff instead of yours. How about I take your stuff, double it, <laughs> make it podcast five hours, because Peter, you were also fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think cheers all around is what. Uh, cheers all around. A round of applause. Do you have uh, anything you would like to promote? I actually have something this time. I'm very excited. Uh, So if any of your listeners happen to be in the Worcester, Massachusetts area uh, after June 30th, please come out to the Worcester Art Museum and see the exhibition I curated on uh, Tiffany and John Lafarge stained glass. It's going to be pretty. Yeah, that is awesome. I hope you do do that if you live there. I wish I could be. Yeah, that sounds amazing. People that could like hop on a plane and go hang out in Boston for a couple days and just hang out in Boston. Absolutely, look me up. Boston's a fun town. Worcester's only thirty minutes away. Do you? I do have a link. We'll be able to share in the show notes. Uh, yes. If you go to uh, WorcesterArt.org. Okay, perfect. So, Peter. Uh, we have already covered the worst camp we're going to cover this month, and that includes uh, a camp where people get horribly murdered. Uh, <laughs> but now on to uh, the kids' camp movie next. So next week is Heavyweights, which I have rewatched, and I am suspicious it's going to be a short episode. Uh, <laughs> uh, I Yeah, and then uh, the following week we are doing the, the uh, requisite horror movie with The Burning. Uh, uh, Peter's never seen it. I love it. Uh, and as we mentioned before, Sleepaway Camp is not yes. being, is not being passed over. We're just it's not coming doing up. it this month. It's coming up. It's probably okay, going to come up this year. We did not. I feel like we need to say it every time because Sleepaway Camp is the best and it is it's not so got classic. passed over. Yes. Uh, but then we, we are ending it with a movie that's almost a direct parody of Sleepaway Camp, uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Oh. Uh, with Anthony uh, Pizzo. Yep, Aww. it's gonna be it's gonna be a really fun one. So we've got the camp comedy, camp horror movie, another camp horror movie, and the burning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so three, four camp horror movies. Some of them with kids. Yes. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you guys very much for getting into weird personal details that I yeah. was so happy to recount. <laughs> Because this is this is what I want the show to be is uh, people revealing weird parts of their past when it's appropriate because uh, it's eh, we don't need to be all academic and distant all the time. So really, I appreciate you guys uh, both lending your perspective on this one. It's going to be especially weird when we do the burning and Peter's like, and I killed people with shears. <laughs> I well, I was I, okay, okay. I was that's why prom- I mean, he did do the black dahlia. <laughs> I was okay. Technically, I was crazy for a summer, but it's, it's, it's sort of a roving title. It's it's like a you know a comptroller. Okay. Hey, Peter. In the spirit of this movie, since you're one of me, one of us, well, one of you. me. Yeah. Well, it's only two. It's only two people on the podcast <laughs> on the network. So I want to say one of us, but like technically, Amanda, you're a guest. I know. And I didn't want to make Peter. So, Peter, because you're one of me, I will forgive you. But thank God you are. you are, Because if not, fucking right to hell with you. <laughs> and with that, to our audience, I wish to say, go to hell. God bless. <laughs> Just not the God in this movie. 
see you later. Because hell, hell is for children. Hopefully you liked what you heard today. And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, it wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand. And you want to support the show. We truly absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and it's because it really does help, and so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, We really do appreciate you. Uh, With kisses and smooches, Peter and Aaron. (laughs) Mm. 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 <laughs> <laughs>